Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Friday, September 23rd, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Uh, Producing from the Sarah Abbott Studios in Bristol, Connecticut is Sarah Abbott. Sarah, how are you doing today? Doing great. I have my coffee, so I'm ready to roll. Nice. And I'm ready to roll, although I'm warning ahead of time. My name is Buster Olney, and I'm working from my home in Montana. Uh, I've got a puppy who's bouncing around uh, this studio in here. It's not even a studio. It's just a little room at our house. Uh, and she wants to be part of the show, Sarah. I'm just going to warn you. So if you hear like banging and if you're like a trash can getting knocked over, if you hear, you know, uh, some, it sounds like somebody knocking against a window, that's Quinny. She's a yellow lab and she is relentlessly energetic. <laughs> she is always welcome to be on the show. We could have her have a segment questions with Quinny. We don't know. We'll see where this goes. <laughs> well, you saw her on the last show, right? Like as we were taping and this was not a YouTube segment, but she was like in my lap for half of it, like jumping up, like, come on, what are you doing? Let's go it's, play. Let's go play ball. She is so cute. It's She's so sweet. So she's always welcome to be on the show, even though this is an audio medium and the people can't see her. I can see her and confirmed she's the cutest. Well, and my 12-year-old dog, Ruby, is like looking at it the whole time. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, act like you've been there before. You know, my dog, Ruby's old school, I think. All right. Uh, yesterday in the National League uh, wildcard race, the Phillies faced the Braves. The Braves, of course, trying to catch up to the Mets in the National League East. But Ranger Suarez worked out a big jam in the sixth inning. The pitch, swing and a ground ball hit to first. Hoskins charges, gloves it, steps on first. Sides retired. Ranger works out of trouble. It was Scott Fransky, 94 WIP, and the Phillies would cling to a 1 0 lead ninth inning. Here's what it sounded like. So it comes down to this with two outs here in the top of the ninth inning. 1 0 Phillies. Bases with the Heredia on first base and the count full. Everybody standing. Alvarado ready. Runner goes, 3-2, swing and a miss, he struck him out. Alvarado gets the save and the Phillies get a one nothing win over the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, that was a big win. The Phillies, of course, uh, right in the midst of those three teams for two-spot race at the, in the National League wildcard race. And the Braves uh, now a game and a half behind the New York Mets in the National League East. The Brewers, one of the other teams going for the wild card in the National League, faced off with the Reds. And man, Colton Wong had himself a day. 1-0 pitch, high drive, right field. If it's fair, it's gone, and it is a fair ball. A three-home run night for Colton Wong. That from 620 WTMJ, the Brewers beat the Reds 5-1. Colton Wong with three homers. The Padres played the Cardinals at home, and San Diego was ahead until this moment in the top of the seventh. The 3-1 pitch to Donovan is hit high in the air to right field. That's deep, and it is a big fly! A slammer for Brandon Donovan! And the Cardinals break out in the seventh inning. That was Ricky Horton on the Cardinals radio network. Yeah, Nick Martinez had come in for the Padres, had a terrific year, but he struggled to find the strike zone. And then Brendan Donovan hits a grand slam. So at the end of the day, the three wildcard leaders, 
the Braves, the Padres, and the Phillies with the Brewers two and a half games behind the Phillies for that last spot. The Dodgers faced the Diamondbacks last night, and this is what Mookie Betts did. Here it comes. Line drive, base hit. The Dodgers win it. The Dodgers walk it off for the fourth time this year on a Betts pinch hit single to left. Dodgers win 3-2 to two with two in the bottom half of the ninth inning. Charlie Steiner, AM 570 LA Sports. The Dodgers now with a record of 104 and 46. Jeff Passan reported yesterday that the Dodgers are going to exercise the team option on reliever Daniel Hudson for the 2023 season. The Rays and the Blue Jays in the American League wildcard race in Tampa Bay jumped all over the Toronto Blue Jays early in the game. And the pitch. Swing and a ground ball, base hit left field. Here comes Margot to score. Franco all the way to third, and the Rays have rebuilt their three-run lead. Six to three Rays in the second inning. That was from 620 WDAE. The Rays on a way on the way to a 10 to 5 victory. And of course, all eyes on the Yankees. Uh, before their game, they activated pitcher Zach Britton, a year removed from Tommy John surgery. We will see how much they use him down the stretch. They played the Red Sox in the first of four games in Yankee Stadium this weekend. Everybody was standing for each of Aaron Judge's at-bats against Michael Waka earlier in the game. Waka kind of carefully worked around him, didn't really throw the ball in the strike zone very much. Uh, Judge drew a couple walks. He made an out. This was Judge batting in the bottom of the seventh. The 3-1 is outside. I don't think that's the worst thing. I'm sorry Judge didn't get a chance. That was John Sterling on WFAN. So he drew another walk. Here he was in the bottom of the ninth inning with a score tied for all. And the pitch is swung on, hit in the air to deep center. Hernandez back. He's on the track. Next to the wall makes the catch. He made the catch right at the Monument Park wall. Everybody thought that might be the moment Aaron Judge hit that ball 113 miles per hour, but it was kind of a cold night. It was a little bit windy. Aaron Judge that close to hitting home run number 61 in 2022. The game was still tied. Bottom of the 10th inning, Josh Donaldson at the plate. Pitch is grounded in the shortstop hole. Base hit. Here comes Gonzalez. Here comes the throw. It is not in time. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. And with that, the Yankees clinched a playoff spot, which is what Aaron Boone was talking about after the game. Never want to take it for granted. We're in the dance and we got a chance now. Um, you know, obviously we're after the division crown. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, you've been around this game long enough and you appreciate every time you get the opportunity. And we've, we've punched that ticket. We've got a lot more business to do here in the regular season that we want to get done. But, um, you know, it, it starts a long time ago. Um, a lot of work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to get to this point. Adversity, highs, lows. Um, so excited we're going to get an opportunity. Now Now we want to go uh, improve on that. Sarah, what else you got? All right. Check out all of our NFL content. So we have stuff from Dominique Foxworth where he brings on his wife, which is a 
hilarious segment. And then we also have the Munich Time Show featuring Lenny, which is now two days a week. So be sure to check that out. And Kyle Brandt has his own show, Kyle Brandt's Basement, and he brings on Josh Allen every Tuesday. So fun times. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. Get great deals and the hottest tickets. Experience it live. You can now stream the most Major League Baseball games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your Major League Baseball games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. That's D-I-R-E-C-T-V.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip codes and requires choice package. It's the Ravi Train with Carl Ravitch on Baseball Tonight. The Ravi Train, Carl Ravitch, play-by-play man on Sunday Night Baseball. And Ravi, you have a chance potentially this weekend to be calling a record-setting home run from Aaron Judge. Uh, How much anticipation is building within you? (laughs) Well, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't thought about it or imagined it or or kind of envisioned where the ball is flying and how you handle that. It's certainly been something I've thought about, Um, you know, and I think when you're in this line of work, you, you know, hopefully you embrace that opportunity. You look forward to it. I'm certainly, I'm certainly doing that. I'm watching obviously each game uh, with one eye on the outcome and one eye on, uh, on the outcome of Aaron judges at bats. So let me ask you, what's the biggest moment you think you've called in your career in baseball? Uh, well, that's a good question. I mean, given that we don't have the World Series on ESPN for the major leaguers, I would imagine, you know, relatively speaking, anytime you're calling a championship, so it would be a college World Series final game, uh, probably most um, relative to the significance or importance. I'm not sure there's been any particular milestone. Certainly nothing like this has has kind of crossed my plate. There have been SEC championship basketball games, you know, buzzer beating shots and those. But I, there's, there's, look, this is this is incredibly unique um, and historical because of baseball. You know, in any, every other sport, you don't necessarily have this connection that generations have to this sport. I was just watching the Today Show this morning, in fact, and uh, an 80-year-old man was running a baseball tournament in Canton, Ohio. And it was named in honor of his wife who had passed away. And she was a diehard baseball fan. And she, of course, was was of that same age. And, and if you're a diehard baseball fan and you're 80, you remember Roger Maris. You, you know, you remember Mickey Mantle. Maris would have been 88 you know, years old. So it's, it's not that far removed. And baseball fans, seemingly, and maybe I'm wrong, but they seem to have an amazing recall and memory of events that have occurred, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, 
whether they were quote unquote there or not, uh, that connection makes makes baseball to me far more unique than any other sport. So when you're talking about somebody replacing Roger Maris, and then because of that, you discuss, you know, the great Yankee teams, and you are then sent back to Hank Aaron, you're sent back to Babe Ruth, you're, you're mired in the steroid era, all of it is interconnected. So there will, there would be and will be nothing like the excitement that night, whether he's sitting on 64 or sitting on 60 or 61 or even 62. So it, it, it is unique. I've, I've never been involved with something like that. I'm not Al Michaels and, and can sit here and say, you know, the miracle on ice was, was part of my great legacy. I don't have that. Well, nobody else can, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, so I, I talked to Michael K the other day in the podcast about how do you handle a big moment like this? Like, how do you, you know, you go into it? Do you have something that is prepared? Like, I, I think back to, you know, for me, the, I think the, uh, you know, the best big moment call that, uh, you know, that sticks with me is when um, Ben Scully called uh, Henry Aaron's 715th home run and there was so many layers to that call and, and how he did it. I can't imagine that, you know, in, that he hadn't really sort of thought about what that would sound like. But on the other hand, Michael Kay said, look, you can't script that out. You can't write it out because right. it just doesn't feel legitimate. Right. How do you handle it? Yeah, I, I think there are I think there are parts of that call that need to be in there. And obviously, you know, Maris has to be in there. Uh, the time that this record has stood has to be in there. Uh, sort of a, a bit of perspective on Aaron Judge needs to be in there, but you don't want to overdo it. And I think the beauty, beautiful part about Scully's call with Aaron was when he, he got into, you know, celebrating a black man in the Deep South uh, for breaking the record of, a, of an icon in American history it it sounded it sounded very natural. It did not yeah. sound like he was reading off a page. It sort of was was the next thought in this whole thought that he had. Here here's the next one. Wow, isn't this amazing that this is happening after the physical home run ball, you know, left the ballpark. So, you know, I, I think and then again we, unless it's been written about or he's been asked about it, um it sounded very natural. Like here's the next thought about the significance of this particular hit. You know, the idea is you, you, you make sure that the facts are in there. You allow the, you allow the moment to be seen. You don't need to say much and you can transport the fan right onto the field at Yankee stadium. You know, you, you can let, let it all speak for itself. So to get it right, uh, you know, get it fairly quickly. Don't give too much because I, I think most people at home want to want to soak in the moment, you know, without the play-by-play guy. Um, and yet there is a significance on the actual call of these things. And it's the, the other part of this that's been so interesting is you watch Red Barber's call of Roger Maris's homer, and it is amazing the amount of time that he spends focused on the fan who caught the ball and the $5,000 that he's going to receive versus focusing on, on Maris and running around the bases and, and the crowd's reaction to it. And you hear Phil Rizzuto on the radio, and it's a completely different tone. I don't think he mentions the fan or the $5,000. You know, he's, he's saying, holy cow, a number of times, which is what you'd expect from Phil Rizzuto. So I think TV allows you a little different 
you know, platforms and radio, obviously, and allowing the viewer to kind of get there and, and swim in the moment. And that's going to fall on our, you know, our producer, Ben Johnson, and our, our producer, Andy Jacobson, and director, Ben Johnson, if, if it comes to that. It'll be amazing. I, you know, we all hope it happens. Uh, Michael and I talked about how uh, we're rooting for, you know, he was saying uh, how he wanted it to happen on Wednesday night. And I was saying, yeah, I'm hoping that we hold back till Sunday. I texted our friend Aaron Boone <laughs> early in the week. Like, can, how about benching uh, for a few days? That would be really nice. Uh, what's been like for you to watch the, you know, him at Yankee Stadium in the at-bats in recent days? Because, man, that is fun. That when he hit a double the other night, in Yankee Stadium, when they're you know going for uh, you know trying to trying to clinch the division, trying to clinch a playoff spot, the fans were disappointed that Aaron Judge hit a double, and you could see like the air go out of the all of them, like oh man! And then last <laughs> night when he hits that long fly ball, yeah, it's fairly it's fairly incredible the contradiction in in what the the and the conflict emotionally that fans are dealing with. I think what appears to be the only guy who's level-headed about this is judge himself. Yes. <laughs> his gen, his genuine joy in last night's win, his genuine joy in watching Stanton hit the grand slam his his genuine acceptance and, and clear satisfaction with, I just got walked. Do you realize we need runs to win this game? I am on first base. I'm smiling at things and everyone else is uptight and, and bummed, and after his at bat ends without a homer, they sit back down and they're disappointed and all that. And he seemingly doesn't appear to be that way. I, I don't, a few observations. It strikes me that that the Maris family, the Judge family, you you know it's going to happen, but boy, it becomes painful after a few games when it doesn't. And it's another night we're going back, and as exciting as it is, and as unique as it is you realize it, it, it is impacting other people's lives in a very significant way. You know, there's an obligation to go and they want to be there, but it, until it happens, they're going to continue to, to show up. And, and that was, that's sort of one, you know, small aspect of it. And you're right. The other is how disappointing it is when, when he doesn't get it. Now look, he's, you know, when I saw Matt Barnes come into that game or warm up, I felt like here is the perfect guy. I, I remember some Matt Barnes, George Springer at bats where he challenges somebody with a fastball and Springer would hit it over the monster at Fenway Park. It just struck me that, oh my gosh, here comes 61. And he, he just missed it. And it was an ideal pitch for him to hit. And if he hits it to right or left, he's got 61. Uh, there are certain guys, you know, Michael Walker's a really smart pitcher. Nick Pavetta can hang a curveball with the best of them, and he'll challenge up with a fastball. That's that's the number of times we've done Nick Pavetta games. That's Saturday. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, so, yeah, look, uh, one, it's like the weather. You can't control it if you're invested in in getting to your game and he's sitting on 61. Uh, I would much prefer him to have already hit 61 because to me, the record-breaking homer is the most yeah. significant one, not, not necessarily the record-tying one. So, sure, I, I'd love to see him get one more. But Judge is unique. I mean, 11 times he's hit two home runs in a game. So if he gets one in a game, then it becomes, uh-oh, you know, be careful what you ask for, because the next one is, is the record-breaker. So, I, you know, those, those are just some of the, the peripheral 
opinions and views that I would have looking at this thing through that lens. And I, I think the other part of this for us, which is kind of neat, is if it is a Sunday night and he hasn't gotten there, you know, is that Michael Kay gets a chance to sit in the studio and call the home run. I mean, he's been around him all year. Um, and so do we. So that, that part of it is, is unique and special. And I hope, I hope for his sake and our sake and, and everybody involved with the production, it, it happens on our watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. You mentioned about feelings. I, you know, I got, uh, um, I was asked on sports center the other day about trying to put what judge is doing in a perspective. And I mentioned, you know, the, the client offensive numbers in our conversation with Mike Trout the other day about how it's more yep. difficult uh, hitting than ever before. And, you know, in light of all that, and, you know, and also factoring what I believe to be the evolution of players and the evolution of the game, that what I think he's doing is the most amazing single season performance ever. And of course, and naturally, there are folks on social media who push back and say, uh, with very reasonable, hey, look at what Bonds did in 2001 and 2002 and three and four. And Carl, I've told you, you know, I voted for Barry Bonds for the Hall when I was voting for the Hall of Fame before I stopped. Uh, you know, I voted for Mark McGuire, voted for Sammy Sosa. Their numbers are the numbers. You know, the single season home run yeah. king is Barry Bonds. He had 73 and you're not taking that away. The, the all-time home run king is Barry Bonds because he hit, you know, all those home runs during the regular season. But when we talk about the greatest ever, that to me is subjective. Uh, you know, the best ever. And for me, it would be weird to pick the name. If someone asks you, who's the greatest cyclist? I think it'd be weird to pick, you know, a Lance Armstrong or a Floyd Landis, or if someone were to ask you, who's the greatest sprinter? If you were to say Ben Johnson, you know, who set the record and then was stripped of the, of his gold medal in the 1988 Olympics. And, and, and that's where I kind of moved past Barry Bonds. Tell me what your perspective is on that. Well, I, I think, you know, I think that there's there's two ways that you look at all of these things historically. One is through the prism of fact, which is the 73 homers, and the other right. is through the prism of an opinion, which is your own opinion. So and, and they don't generally blur. It's fact that he hit 73 home runs. I would suggest if if you ask me who's the greatest home run hitter I ever saw, it would be Barry Bonds. Yeah. Um, and, and that falls on me then to dismiss what made him the greatest home run hitter and the greatest home run season I ever saw was when he hit 73. I, mean, I was in the studio every night and every time he came up, you anticipated and generally were rewarded with a home run. I mean, that, that that's different level and, and why he was able to do that. It becomes again, very subjective because it's never, it's never quite been proven. I certainly believe that he was using performance enhancing drugs. I, it's hard for me as a as a non-scientist, non-doctor to suggest that, well, that was the only reason that he was able to do what he did. And we've been through we've been through a myriad of, of clinics and tutorials and doctors telling us it improves your reaction time, it improves your eyesight, it improves your ability to get into a a workout immediately after, your recovery time. All of those things may very well conspire. To allow somebody to do what he did but he still did it and it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen from the perspective of somebody who had to hit a ball over the wall for a living and did it you know more than anybody else 
and, and in a fashion unlike anyone else may very well be because of all those things I just talked about separating Aaron judge from everybody else. Sure. I mean, I, I look at Aaron judge's season this year as the evolution of a mountain of a man who has learned how to take pitches that he never could take before. And last night was another great example. I mean, there are sliders at his knees that he would be wailing at uh, as recently as last year. He's no longer doing that. I mean, the beautiful part of what Bonds did that year was he, he put where that ball needed to be into sort of a, a thimble size area. Judge is doing the same thing. I mean, I get yep. that he's sitting outside pitches and pitches up and pitches in, but they are not off. You know, he's, he's zeroed in on that strike zone like he's never done before. Barry Bonds did the exact same thing. If you make a mistake, the ball's going out. And Judge is very similar to that right now. Um, and that, that, to me, is the biggest change in him. And I, I think if you turned Aaron Judge's swing around to the left side, it would be as pretty as Ken Griffey Jr.'s and anyone else that ever swung. I, I, it's as beautiful a right-handed home run swing as I've ever seen. You couple all that with uh, the fact that he's 20 homers ahead of the next guy. It is as dominating. I'm not sure it's the best, but it is the most dominating and unique season that I've seen from an individual player. Um, and all due respect to Shohei Otani, if you just took them both as hitters, it, it's not close. There, there's one that's just so much better. And I think it was Smoltz who said, if you just let him hit, he, he would be that guy. I, I don't know. I, I, I would... I would need to see it before I'm ever going to say something like that. I've seen it from Aaron Judge. I see it this season. No one's in his class. And last night was another great example. He, he's a hell of a defender. Uh, he's got a great arm. He covers ground. So, yeah, I, I think in a lot of ways it's the most unique dominating season that I've, that I've ever seen. And then it's weird, Buster. You tell me. Mookie Betts has had years in which you're like, my gosh. He's the greatest base runner I've ever seen. He's, he's incredible in the field. He's clutch. He hits homers. He's, he's not hitting 60, but there's something unique about him as a player. This year, Aaron Judge has been unique, and he's used a sledgehammer uh, against the rest of, of his, his peers, and it's, it's, it stands out. Well, and you love the, uh, the ambition and the attention to detail that he's gotten to a point, you know, as they talked about on the broadcast last night, how calm he is at the plate um, yeah. and how honed in he is and how he's eliminated so much movement, you know, the movement in his swing to now it's this simple fulcrum uh, and, and the application of that amazing power that he has. It's, it's, uh, it's really cool. One other thought, just think about this. Every, every athlete that has risen above his peers, Roger Federer, Tiger Woods, uh, in this case, Aaron Judge, there is that exact aspect of it. Michael Jordan, they never seem to play out of control. They're always under control. They yeah. always allow that moment to breathe. He, he's that guy. And that, to me, comes with a supreme confidence in what you're doing. You don't need to be jumpy. You know the result's going to be what it is because of all the time and work you play. Why would I? I mean, it, it's, I think I shared this story with you. Uh, you know, I had a heart attack back in 1998 after doing the work to get into shape, not to ever worry about it. When I would get on an elliptical or I would get on a treadmill, there's, I don't have any concerns. I am going to allow the moment to just slow down. I'm, I've prepared myself 
as well as I can to deal with this. So I'm going to go outside and run a half marathon. I'm not nervous. When you do the work and you are prepared, uh, you know the results of the test. He knows the results of the test before he steps in the batter's box. If he gets a pitch that he can hit, uh, he's going to hit it over the wall, you know, the majority of the time. He knows the outcome already. And I think that's, that's what all those other athletes who practice and prepare diligently by themselves, alone, they know the results of the tests. Michael Jordan knows he's going to make the shot. Tiger Woods knows he's going to make the putt. We're all at home because we haven't prepared for those moments. We can't imagine being in them. But I recall having that feeling. I know that he's, he knows this is going in the hole. He knows this is going in the basket. He knows that penalty kick is going in the back of the net. Aaron Judge knows if you put a ball in a certain place, I know the result of this exam. I win. It's a home run. Which is why he said to you on the eve of the season, or as uh, early in the season, exactly. when he turned down the contract, I'm in a good place, <laughs> when you asked yep. to buy the Yankees batting exactly cage. Right. So, exactly yeah, right. 100%. All right, let's uh, – a few things to touch on before we go. Uh, Dayton Moore, longtime head of baseball operations for the Kansas City Royals, is relieved at that position. Uh, I can tell you that there was general surprise around the sport – uh, where folks were wondering, hey, you know, J.J. Piccolo, uh, the, the, uh, who had been working as general manager, was kept and Dayton Moore was let go. There was a lot of surprise about that because normally you see when an, an owner wants to make a change, he basically just goes and makes sweeping changes across the board. I, I think it's a case, and if you read the athletic story on the Royals and their pitching development and their problems trying to make that happen – I think, generally speaking, it was an owner who wanted to bring his uh, his franchise in, into a place where other teams have gone with analytics and to be more aggressive, yeah. to be more advanced. What was your take? A hundred percent. You know, and it's interesting because uh, you know he, he's a big college pitcher guy. Um, he's been doing this for sixteen years. But yes, I, I think I think data data driven transactions was was sort of the terms being thrown around there. They're looking for something different, you know, a, a, a refresh, a reboot. Um, and I don't, I don't know Dayton, you know, well enough uh, to e even the way that we know Joe Madden to think this is a guy that was going to die on the hill of, of inflexibility and pushback. Uh, knowing him, I would have thought he would, you know, he would accept those things and move forward. But it's quite clear that the organization and, and the case of Sherman didn't see that that was happening. So I thought he drafted really well. I know he is universally liked. He's a, yeah. he's a real baseball guy is, you know, we got him, we got to know him during the college world series this year with his son, who was a terrific athlete and player. So uh, again, uh, at some point, you know, and, and look, it's not like they didn't win world series. I mean, this was a, this was a world series competitive team and winning team Fairly recently, but if it comes down to pitching being the most important aspect of a team, they have not done a good job developing them. And, and obviously, one side thinks if we incorporate the use of analytics more, then we would be better off at doing that. And we're going to find somebody that's willing to go down that road. Yeah, he, he is universally respected, and it wasn't a surprise that you know he is very upfront. It uh, wasn't hiding. He was at the ballpark. He was talking to people. He was saying goodbye to people. 
And he also understands, you know, I know Dayton knows it's a, it's a results driven business. So you win the world series yeah. uh, in 2015 and you've struggled since then. And in the end, you know, an owner, especially a new owner will, will want to, uh, to make changes. Okay. Wildcard race in national league. You essentially have three teams going for two spots, Phillies, Padres, Brewers, which team in your mind has the highest stakes in that group? Phillies, Padres, Brewers. Uh, has the highest stakes, meaning, meaning yeah. most to lose, or just the team that's got the yeah, best chance? Yeah, the, the team under most pressure in that group. That Boy, they got to get there. Um, well, I, I, I would say the, I would have said the Padres if Tatis was there. Uh, to me, the Padres' dynamic changed dramatically, and I don't think that the Soto deal giving up the prospects this year puts the most pressure on them. Um, I, I think Tatis and that, that – terrible decision he made changed everything so uh, it's not a pass i'm giving them i think they're clearly as talented probably more talented than the other two teams um I, you know to me buster it, it's probably the the team that's under the most pressure is probably the brewers because i just think they have the, they have the least amount of wiggle room I, they're always they're always on the cusp of either in or out um, I think the Phillies are going in the right direction. I think the Phillies are healthy. I think I think that they're a they're a good team and will be for years to come. I think they're going to be in a shortstop uh, conversation with one of these superstars. So I, I I to me their window is longer. The Padres have a longer window. The Brewers' window always seems to be like crack. Like if it's pouring out and you realize oh there's water on the windowsill. That that's the Brewers. Like it's it's just razor thin. So they need to get in every time they can. I think the other two teams are going to be okay. All that being said, if you ask which team has the best chance, I think I like the Phillies. I think the Brewers are the team that would be knocked out, actually. Yep. Uh, I, it's funny. I look at the Phillies, the team under the most pressure, because in part because they've spent so much money in recent years, and it's and it's been mm. so long since they've been part of this, you know. And uh, yeah. you know, with the with the investments during the during the spring. Uh, and Castellanos and Schwarber with the starting pitching like this, this is their time and they need to step up. Last one, I'm punctuated with the Yankees question just to double back on them. I feel like that uh, as we talk about the Yankees now down the stretch, obviously all eyes on Aaron Judge. But the most important thing for the Yankees down the stretch, as we get close to the playoffs, is how well does Garrett Cole pitch? Like, I feel like that when he pitches in games like tonight or when there's a lot of attention, that's a big deal. Cause I think there's, you know, concern about his performance. We go down the stretch. Yeah. I look I, to me, the Yankees, there are a whole, there are a whole bunch of factors. Like if you think about these teams that we're looking at to get into the playoffs uh, or those that have qualified, I mean, every team in the national league that's in already, they can pitch the heck out of the ball. The Dodgers are great. The Mets are great. The Braves are great. Those teams are all are all deep and can pitch. The Yankees, the Yankees have issues at the front end. The Yankees have serious issues at the back end. The Yankees don't know what DJ LeMahieu is going to be able to give them. There's still a lot of things that need to come together for the New York Yankees to to I think seriously consider. Uh, World Series title. The, the Houston Astros get a great performance from Lance McCullers last night. Like they're they're together. They are there already. There are certain teams that are going in with the puzzle complete, and the Yankees are absolutely not one of them. Now, if Garrett Cole were were a virtual Degrom 
sort of Scherzer guy, I'd feel a lot better about them. Yep. To your point, he's not that, and that's a bit. That's a big problem when you get into the postseason because the offense that they have depended on is going to be neutralized by great pitching. That's what happens in the playoffs, and you got to match zeros or ones as a pitcher, as opposed to threes and fours. You'll lose the threes and fours more often than you win them in the postseason. Yeah, it's been a long time, I think, since uh, we've seen a team that's going to go into the playoffs as much of a prohibitive favorite uh, as the Astros are in the American League to get through the league championship 100%. series and to reach the World Series. All right, Ravi, thanks for doing this. All right, fingers crossed. We'll see you Sunday. Let's hope we got a record breaker. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Before the Yankees game on Thursday, Aaron Boone made his weekly appearance in the Michael K show. And of course, so much of the conversation was around Aaron Judge. He talked about how he looks forward to watching Judge bat. I always look forward to him coming up, whether it's <laughs> as he's sitting here on 60 or any time, because, uh, you know, I want him up there as much as possible. I noticed it as much as more than any point last night like it 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 became very real and you could just that tension and excitement and that silence in the crowd in between pitches when he was up um it, it for the first time like I really really noticed it last night he talked about judges preparation for each plate appearance the game becomes really simple for him because I, there's two things that he cares about and one is being a great teammate and two is winning and when you genuinely that's who you are and that's what you care about he knows everything else is going to fall into place you know he knows how good a player he is so it's a matter of him going out there but when he keeps it that simple as far as I want to be a great teammate and I want to try and win tonight and that's where he pours his energy into. And when you do that, it kind of, you know, takes a lot of the outside stuff out of it and, and makes the game as simple as, as most, as you should make it. Aaron Boone talked about Tuesday night's victory when judge hit home run number 60 and then Giancarlo Stanton hit a game winning grand slam. You know, we've had some pretty magical victories this year, you know, especially in the first half of the season, you know, we had some really, really, fun, exciting ninth inning, extra inning victories here at the stadium. And, you know, that one might have topped them all, you know, especially where we are in the season.
Jessica Mendoza is an analyst for ESPN, uh, and she also does Dodger games on Dodger television. Jess, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I right, feel you're like probably every... doing better than Craig Kimberl. Had a rough day yesterday. The Dodgers wind up uh, coming back and winning their 104th game. But before that, Craig Kimbrell uh, blew a save. And after the game, Dave Roberts, the Dodgers manager, talked about Kimbrell's performance. Please give a list. Um, you know, I, you just, you know, you can't hit the leadoff hitter with a breaking ball. You know, you strike a breaking ball, then you yank it to hit the batter. Um, we got fortunate with the, uh, with the stolen base attempt. Uh, and I just, I think that the breaking ball to, uh, I think there was a walk, yeah, there's a walk in there after the homer. It was a 2-2, I think it was a 2-2 breaking ball that just rolled to Walker and then he hit it out. So, um, you know, I think the stuff is starting to, to slide a little bit. Fastball velocity. Um, yeah, I've just got to continue to look at this and, um, you know, we've got to have our best guys, you know, at the back end. So, um, you know. So the way I read into that from Dave Roberts is he's already made his decision that Craig Kimbrell is not going to close games going forward. This is not a new situation for Dave because Kenley Jansen sometimes would finish seasons along these lines. What did you make of all that? Yeah, I think with Craig, it's different than with Kenley, even though it does feel so similar with the questions that are being asked, especially heading into the postseason. Um, I, I think the difference with Kenley is, is, and you hear it there with the way he's describing Craig's stuff right now is the fact that it just doesn't have that same consistency. It doesn't have that same bite. Um, I do think with Kenley, what they worked on him, I know with last year is, you know, when they were starting to throw the slider more, they were kind of changing the grip and some of the mechanics with Kenley and seeing really positive results, which ended up working well for them in the postseason. And with Kimbrell, it's been ongoing. And I think if anything, declining. Um, and you could kind of feel this from Dave, obviously from everyone in Dodger Nation coming. But definitely from Dave Roberts and the way that he was kind of saying who's they were going to continue to assess. Where I do feel like the last few years with Kenley Jansen, it was like, we're sticking with our guy. He's our guy and it's not going to change. And I, the wording leading up to this point, I feel like has been pretty constant with what he said. Um, and finally, I think basically they're going to make the decision, in my opinion, to, to be able to, to get a guy that can be more confident with um, at the back end. Yeah. As Sarah pointed out, the key phrase was the best players play. Uh, and I think that's kind of where they are at this point. And I think that goes for everyone. I mean, that question was an answer to Craig Kimbrell. I think, you know, when they're assessing their lineup, um, there's been a lot of, you know, just inconsistencies from a lot of the guys that have been great in years past. Cody Bellinger is the biggest one that stands out. Um, obviously, we saw Chris Taylor have up and down, you know, not the same numbers. He's doing better you know, as of late, but, you know, this is something that when they get into October, I think exactly that it's going to be the best players play, which seems so obvious, but some of those players buster, I think are going to be huge names. And that includes names like Craig Kimbrell and Cody Bellinger. All right. So all the baseball world is following Aaron judge. Tell me how you're following it. Uh, living out in Oregon and you know, uh, you know, what the rhythm of your day is. Cause I, you know, out here last night, I, I watched the first three plate appearances, then went out to dinner, had it on my phone, uh, then came back and watched the last plate appearance, uh, that long fly ball to center field. How are you following it? So I love, I love, that is such a great question. At least 
I don't know, maybe it is different being out West. And I love that now you are with me, like in this time zone or closer to it, just because you're still like navigating dinner and you're doing all the things. And it was so funny because last night I had both my boys and my nephew over, we were, I was cooking dinner and we were going to a high school football game because they're all playing football right now. I'm like, let's go support our local high school. But I told them, I was like, but like, don't judge mom. Every time Aaron Judge comes up to bat, I'm going to be watching on my phone. And one of the bats came while I was driving. So we're driving. And I probably shouldn't even be admitting this. So I had the sound on. But at this point, it was the the ball that was hit that was like within feet. And so I like literally almost crashed my car. So I was like, oh my God, it's 61. And I like told all the boys, I was like, guys, everyone, because, you know, having three boys in the car was like mass chaos. I'm like, everyone be quiet. Like, listen. And then that was right before the pitch. And then when he hit that, I literally forgot I was driving for a second. And so I felt like if it had been 61, I probably would have run into a pole, which wouldn't have been good. But thank goodness I could hear the voice <laughs> of Adam Amin, who was calling the game for Fox um, kind of lower. So clearly Kike Hernandez was getting under it, but it was just really not good parenting at all. But it was my moment of like, I can't miss this live. And it just happened to come up where it was like going from point A to point B. Caleb needs to get his learner's permit, his driver's license as quickly as possible. Don't to exactly. take over in these moments, right? <laughs> don't tell, don't tell my husband that this happened because he would be like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I want you to weigh in on this question. I they had me on Sports Center the other day after he hit number sixty, and I I talked about and I thought about this. I said, "What Judge is doing is the greatest single performance by any hitter in baseball." And of course, naturally, the the pushback. Uh, that I got on social media was Barry Bonds. And, and I th had thought about that. And, and this is kind of where I landed on it, Jess. Yes, Barry Bonds is the single season uh, all-time home run king. He's got 73. Uh, you know, the numbers are the numbers. You know, to me, you know, the, the incredible performer. I voted for him for the Hall of Fame. But I find the, the word to be, the, the phrase greatest to be so subjective and that's when the PEDs does kind of factor in for me a little bit. And I thought about it this way. Uh, if someone asked me the name of the greatest cyclist ever, would I put Lance Armstrong at the top? No, I wouldn't. If someone asked me about, you know, the greatest sprinter ever, would I put Ben Johnson in? Because, you know, he set the record when in the 100 meter dash uh, in the Olympics in 1988 and then had his medal strip because he was busted for PEDs. And that's, so when I talk about the greatest performance ever, I do in my mind kind of factor all that in. It doesn't mean Barry wasn't a great player, but especially with the, how difficult it's become in hitting with hitting and, you know, baseball has been, uh, you know, testing and they've been suspending players since 2005. I'm comfortable putting judge in that spot. Does that make you know, sense? Yes, it absolutely does. And, you know, for me, it's, it's, yeah, the PEDs is a, a big you know, question that, you know, you always have, but for me really, and I, I don't know, I mean, maybe with Barry, it just, it was a show. Every time he came up the bat, the giants were not a contending team. It was just something that was really like, just, it was magical to watch him hit, you know, just because watching the way the, the massivity of the way that he hit balls, especially in San Francisco out into the water, like there was something beautiful about like the way that, that he did it. Aaron Judge yeah. is helping his team win games. Like, if you're a baseball fan, me personally, like, PEDs are not – it's not even factoring in, honestly. Like, if, if Barry had not even used them, it's what you're seeing as far as a true teammate and player. 
Like you watch his at bats and when he's able to, you know, just, I mean, obviously he's, he could win the triple crown because of, you know, batting average and RBIs, but like that means something. It means the fact that he is literally taking hits when they come to him. Obviously the walks are coming, but being that teammate that is literally, and you can tell by all his interviews and it's not just fluff. Like he wants this Yankee team to win a world series. And I think when we look back on this time and we see ultimately what the Yankees were able to do this year and some of these, these times, obviously early in the season when they've gone on the run that they've gone, but how about now when they've really struggled and Aaron yeah. judge has been at the top of the, the reason why they've still been able to come out and win games. I get that there's other guys performing, but Aaron judge is literally the straw that, that turns the drink right now. And it just, it, to me it is the most, Beth, it is the best performance because of everything that he's doing as a baseball player. He's not just hitting home runs. And if I were to find the best performance, it's being a teammate, it's defending, it's it's getting your walks, it's being able to Triple hit for average. Yes. Leading in every category. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it, it's been absolutely incredible to watch. Um, all right, tell me about the Mariners, who yesterday, uh, it felt it did feel like a big win for them to come out uh, at a time when, you know, they're trying to put themselves in the best possible position for seeding. I mean, it, it literally is pulling your hair out like madness right now. Just explaining the Northwest. Like it literally, I don't know. I mean, there are teachers right now. Like you can't like go to the grocery store and people are talking about the Seattle Mariners losing games against literally the worst teams in baseball. And, you know, I think Oakland A's, especially, you know, you go in and, and I think we all talk about this. Oh, look at the rest, everyone, right? Like look at the rest of the season. You know, I mean, there's no one in baseball that has an easier schedule. And when you know that I actually cringe. Cause I'm like, I feel like it puts more pressure on you. <laughs> like as crazy as that sounds, it's hard to get up against bad teams and know that the expectation, which the Mariners have not had all season long, the expectation to win every game. Um, but to see the lack of offense, to see, I mean, shoot, George Kirby, who's been their most consistent pitcher, give up five runs in two innings, was like, what is happening? It's like the ultimate like breakdown. But then the magic in it was, you know, seeing a, a guy like Jared Kalenic, who we have talked a ton about the last few years coming over that trade with the Mets kind of being, you know, the savior, you know, a couple years ago, and then just absolutely faltering at the big league level, doing well in AAA, coming back up, has not been able to find consistency, um, had two huge at-bats. You know, the home run, of course, is the one that gets seen in highlights. He had an amazing double on a 3-0 count where he had the green light and was able to really sit on an off-speed pitch, drive it into the gap. Um, to score more runs for them and kind of turn that lead. Um, so, you know, seeing their youth, we talk a lot about Julio Rodriguez who came out last night, but it, it's really the the guys like an Adam Frazier who, you know, has really come on strong the last week that they're going to need because honestly, Buster, like this is an area that almost it reminds me of Mets fans. It's like they're used to disappointment. And I think as these games start losing, everyone's just like going mad with what the heck is happening to these Mariners that are so close to the end of the season and finally ending this drought of getting to the playoffs. All right, 60 seconds. Give me a key player with the Mariners for you as the playoffs start. Who's the key guy if they're going to advance past the first round? Matt Brash, without a doubt. Um, I know he's. we hear a lot of names on this team. Um, and honestly, with especially their offense, and everyone would assume Julio Rodriguez. But, you know, he's had back tightness. And to me, the key for the Mariners is is their bullpen and their pitching. 
and Matt Brash, who was a starter for them, who has been amazing, including last night, by the way, when their starting pitcher came out, you know, after two and a third innings and Matt Brash was the guy to come. And for those that don't get to watch the West coast and what he's done for this bullpen since moving to the bullpen, his slider is like literally Bugs Bunny cartoon. It is unbelievable. And I think he's going to be the key because as you know, Buster, you end up leaning on guys in huge games. They're going to be able to get the bulk and heart of a lineup out. To me, that guy is Matt Brash. And I think that's going to be the key for the Mariners going forward. In September, Matt Brash, eight and two thirds innings, four hits, six walks, 14 strikeouts, no runs allowed. So he finishes well in baseball. History is filled with examples of guys who establish themselves in bullpens in September and all of a sudden take over. Um, you know, even guys who've slumped, who've had tough years. You remember the year Joe Kelly, you know, was completely dominant uh, for the Red Sox when they won the World Series. He was almost left off the postseason roster, Jess. Yeah. And he wound up being their best reliever. Uh, in the month of October, that's how it rolls. All Andrew right. Miller. I mean, there's a long list of guys that it, literally, and they don't have to be the closer. It's that one that's the trusted arm, and the manners have got one. Yep, exactly. All right, uh, good to talk with you. Thanks for doing this. Bleacher tweets. Okay, Buster, it's time for Bleacher tweets, and just a reminder: Bleacher tweets are brought to you by Dr Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of a nice cold Dr Pepper, the ones fans deserve. So the first tweet comes from David at Baseball Fan nineteen eighteen. If you are a GM with the option to sign or have the assist to trade for the off season, who are you all in on? Judge Degrom or Otani? Yeah, and I'm assuming that David meant to to type assets there. Uh, that's a fun question. Of course, they're in different places. Otani's not a free agent until after next year. DeGrom can opt out of his contract uh, this offseason, which he said he's going to do. And then you have Aaron Judge. I would say Otani, probably among the three, just uh, in part because of age. He's the youngest of three guys still in his 20s. What do you think, Sarah? I mean, I love Otani. And also, I mean, even though Aaron Judge is great, I always have a soft spot for Otani. And so I would pick him too. Don't come for me, Yankees fans. Next up <laughs> is Ernesto Cedillo. Buster, on a scale of zero to 100, what's the likelihood of the Dodgers or Padres offering Judge a one to three contract with an AAV around 65 million plus? Maybe team options and opt outs like Correa's deal. Any chance Judge would take that deal? No, I don't think so, Ernesto. I I, I suspect he's in a position now to get the massive contract uh, with a team where he knows that's going to be his club for the rest of his career. Uh, You know, Scott Boris, you've seen through the years when he negotiates contracts, you know, he likes to keep flexibility. He's, you know, he likes to have players opt out. But at some point, as we saw with Bryce Harper's contract, Harper was like, I want to know where I'm going to be. And there were no opt-outs. It was just cashing in that one big lottery ticket. And I think that's what Judge is going to do this winter. Next is here, the number four FRL. Is that here for real? I don't know, but he's next. Pitchers don't want to give up a historic home run. Do we actually remember who gives up the home run? We should abandon this narrative and encourage pitchers to challenge hitters on historic runs. Agreed? Yeah, I think we do. Um, You know, whether it's a big home run, a big moment, uh, you know, Ralph Branca famously gave up the game-winning home run to Bobby Thompson, the 1951 playoffs. 
And as the years went along, those two guys became good friends and they would do signings together. Dennis Eckersley and Kirk Gibson uh, in 1988 World Series, Gibson, uh, you know, hit that uh, the game winning home run for the Dodgers and limped around the bases. And Eckersley shared in that moment of throwing out the first pitch at the World Series a few years ago, and they both seemed to really enjoy it. Um, Al Downing, you know, gave up uh, Henry Aaron's 715th home run in 1974. I never saw him run away from that. I actually think some pitchers are fine with it. They understand that, hey, you know what? They were competing. They shared in history. I don't, uh, I've never talked to Mike Bassick about giving up uh, the uh, home run number 756 to Barry Bonds. But my memory, my sense of that moment was, he was okay with it. Like he was fine with it uh, being in that moment. So I, I would push back on the idea that pitchers don't necessarily want to be that guy. I would say this, Michael Walker pitching for the Red Sox last night. He did not want to be that guy. It was pretty clear. He was pretty careful. <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't you want to be a part of history? In my opinion. Yeah. Right. Dr. Steve a Yankees have played 148 games. Does Judge get extra history points if he gets to 62 home runs in less than Ruth's 154 games and Maris's 162? And is it any further distinction from tainted bonds? Yeah, I don't think casual fans are going to remember that. They're only going to remember the final number. But you've seen uh, graphics all summer about where Judge is in his pace and number of games relative to where Ruth and Maris were. And our last one comes from Scotty Barnes. This one's going to be fun. So Mike Trout said, enjoy your new lodge ranch in Montana. What? You have a ranch? Are you neighbors with Ted Turner? More info, please. Yeah. So he was giving me a hard time. I don't have a ranch. Uh, I, you know, I have a house. Uh, It's a regular old house. It's a beautiful house. It's a new house and I'm excited about it. And, uh, you know, putting it together, it's pretty cool. And as we uh, finish up, Sarah, I'd say this. I mean, you were watching the video. Quinny tried to, I I don't know if you could hear it, but Quinny was all over that segment with Carl Ravage. Like (laughs) she was like bouncing around this room. I've said if he gave her a ball in this room where I taped the podcast, it would sound like a hockey player bouncing against the boards. (laughs) And from the pictures Taylor and I have seen of the backyard, everything, it's so gorgeous. And I bet Quinny is in heaven there. Oh, yeah, to the point. And she is uh, she's ball obsessed. I can tell you this. Nothing else in the world matters. We're trying to, you know, teach her, look, when you have a ball, you got to go to the bathroom first before we throw you the ball. Please go to the bathroom because we've had situations where you play with her for 20 minutes with the ball and then she comes in the house and then she goes to the bathroom. It's like, no, you got to get that right. Well, that's it for Bleacher Tweets. Be sure to submit your questions using hashtag Bleacher Tweets. And as always, check us out on YouTube for a Buster segment with Tim. Thanks, everyone. That's it for today. My thanks to Quinny, to Jess, to Carl, to Sarah. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. 